Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. And with me today, as always, is Ramin Forgani, the producer and moderator of the podcast. Ramin, it has been a while. I feel guilty. I know we've been trying to get an episode out there. Uh, our schedules have not been aligning correctly, but... We're back. The date is May 9th, 2018 in the afternoon. We got some high school hoops to talk about, but before we get into that, Ramin, how are you doing, sir? I am doing well. Yeah, I know. We've kind of had this. We promised the fans that we wouldn't fall off the face of the earth after our last post-championship podcast, and it's been a while, but we promise we are back. We do have, I think, a pretty good podcast to talk about some very topics of discussion it's been a while but let's see if we still have it but before we get to those topics we'd like to thank our spielin and dealing podcast sponsors sportal space sportal space helps teams find gyms and fields for practice or training and makes booking a gym as easy as finding a restaurant on open table or a hotel on expedia check out sportal space every practice every game and with that being said, Kyle, of course, as soon as the GHSA basketball season ends, the AAU season begins by this time in May. We are well into the circuits around the state, and you have been out to a couple of these tournaments. First, at the end of April, you made it out to Atlanta Jam. Tell us what you saw there briefly. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a while back, so it was the last week of April. Uh, you know, saw saw a couple good things here and there. Uh, a lot of stuff with the unsigned seniors. Uh, I'll just touch on a couple real quick. But uh, Eli Lawrence uh, from Tri Cities, uh, all state guard, still uh, unless something popped off on Twitter today or yesterday, still unsigned guard. He's you know the best wing available in the state of Georgia, a Division One player. Uh, I'm I'm not sure what's going on. Why people are moving slowly on him? I believe he has a. Uh, very good grades as well, um, but he's like a Ty Fagan light. He's a lefty. He's six foot five. He rebounds very well. Not a extreme, you know, outstanding uh, uh, playmaker like a, a, a true floor general out there like a, a Ty Fagan is. But he's still a, a very quality player that could help uh, local programs and a lot of those um, low major level schools maybe at, at the right fit at the mid major level. But he's a really good player. Uh, and he, he's a, a good athlete as well, but that's someone that he, he should end up at the division one level, but we're getting this late into the game. It, it gets kind of hairy, scary, and, uh, we'll see where he ends up, but whoever gets him is going to be, uh, very excited to add him. And then two stock risers just to touch on, actually we'll make that three real quick. Uh, you can read about this on Sandy but Devin butts from Stratford Academy, there's been rumors trying to to say that he's trying to get out of Stratford Academy it remains to be seen but he has been really shooting the lights out this summer and I got to witness this witness it firsthand he knocked down seven threes at 27 points uh he has really been taking his game to the next level he's getting better and better and better uh he's got that great size as if you can shoot the three-point shot you're gonna be on people's radars and we'll talk about that a, a, a little later on and uh when you have size to go along with that and you can handle and you can finish in the lane uh he's he's a, a very high rising prospect and he could really you know he might be he's certainly in the discussion if he's not the best shooter in the state of georgia uh, and he has a chance to be a top 10 player in this 2019 class i think and then brady spence a big six foot eight center from alexander he's come such a long way 
just was a gangly kid when we saw him years ago. I've seen him grow up from his freshman year. He is getting better and better and better. And uh, I, I really like him a lot for to be one of those, you know, probably a top five big man in the state. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll make a, a college level team happy. He'll be a division one player. And then Javion Rucker, six foot six forward from East Hall. I haven't really heard too much about him. It's got on my radar when I saw him at the GACA um, all star game. Very interesting, lanky. Uh, he can knock down the corner three very well. It'll be interesting to see what becomes of him if he can get a little bit better handling the ball. And right now he's more of a stretch four, but if he can handle the rock and become a slasher to go along with that outside shot and shot blocking, uh, that's a, a guy that could be a late bloomer that comes on strong. So some of the uh, unsigned seniors there, and then most recently these uh, these 2019 kids moving forward, I think they all have a very good shot at playing at the next level. I believe it was the next weekend or somewhere in between there. You went to Georgia Cup 4. You saw a lot of action that kept you busy. And what were the biggest highlights of that tournament, Kyle? Well, uh, uh, there, there's a couple here and there. But the the, the one that I take away the most uh, would be two, you know, a sleeper and then a, a, a freshman. The freshman, we'll start with him, Maynard Jackson. We love Maynard Jackson. They had a great season this past year. They got a good one coming in. A freshman, you know, it's always hard to kind of judge how tall these kids are. So I'll give them about 6'2", maybe give them an inch or take an inch here or there. But Cedric O'Neal going to be a freshman at Maynard Jackson next year. He 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 checks everything off. I mean, he was absolutely dominant for the 14U 8-ball elite team, uh, led his team to a championship he he's, he's well built. He's strong. He he has that smooth elevation where he just rises above the rest. He can rebound. He can start his own fast break. He blocks shots. He scores around the basket like he was a man amongst boys. Now we'll see if he can get a couple more inches. If he can get up to about six foot five, add I guess that would be about three more inches or so. That could be very interesting. We'll see what happens when he goes to the high school level. He's going to be playing against some some bigger competition, but. Boy, he was super impressive. He's gonna. I think he's gonna see some big minutes as a freshman from day one. He's gonna team up with Tiempa Ogun if he's still there, six foot five post, who was a a youngster last year, who's gonna be a junior next season. That could be a lockdown defensive back court or front court that's gonna defend the rim very well and rebound exceptionally well. Uh, Cedric O'Neill, if he gets a couple more inches, watch out. I really liked what I saw from him. And then just one sleeper. Uh, a 2019 wing about six foot six from Burke County Jalil Roundtree very athletic long arms uh, more of an energy guy right now he was you know I, he was playing on the perimeter I don't know if he was playing out of position maybe he's more of a four man but he, he stood on the perimeter a lot in the one game I saw and he didn't get too many opportunities they got beat pretty handily uh, didn't do too much I'd like to see him get a little more aggressive now if he's more of a four but they had him playing on the wing out of position I could understand why he didn't you know, do too much at six points, but he can rebound. Uh, I, I would like to see him get more of aggressive as becoming a slasher. I know he had some good highlight dunks throughout the weekend, but uh, uh, a, a nice athlete can block some shots, can rebound. He's got the you know the god-given ability at six foot six and athletic. Now, if he can piece it together with some individual skill work offensively, I think his defense is ahead of his offense. Uh, he could be someone that comes out of South Georgia and could be, you know, I wouldn't say Division One type talent right now but uh he could you know easily put at the junior college level with another season under his belt uh, a lot of individual work getting better offensively 
And finally, this past weekend, you made it out to the Lake Point Classic. What were the biggest takeaways from that? Yeah, at that Lake Point summer shootout. So I bounced between there and uh, one of the Georgia Cups they had. Uh, Cherokee County, the the homeland, we got a lot of talent coming up through the pipeline. And you could laugh at that. But, uh, I mean, I, it, it feels like it's one of the, the most talented groups that they've had in a long time. Underclassmen, if you're even looking at... 16U down to this 14U class. There's a lot of good stuff coming up. That 14U team, the Deep South Blue Devils, that is a, a very good team. They when they're clicking, they they are orchestrating. They're they're clicking on all cylinders like the Spurs or like the Warriors. They they move the ball. They play basketball the right way. Six foot four center Jared Russo from River Ridge. Impressive. He's going to have to rebound better. Again, it was just the one game I saw, but throughout the summer he's been one of their leading scores. He's got a nice touch. He can knock down three. Uh, he should play big, big, big minutes at River Ridge. River Ridge is uh, is has not been very good since Nick Masterson has been um, gone and played at Kennesaw State. So, you know, if you're going to lose games, you might as well lose games with youngsters. And we saw Sequoia do that, and now that's starting to come to fruition. Sequoia has that, that junior class coming up uh, next year. I think River Ridge could do the same thing. But Russo, whether he's starting or just playing big minutes off the bench, I think he's someone that would really help out the Knights. But – a lot of the talent is starting to accumulate at Cherokee High School, and Roger Quam has long been one of the best coaches in the state and definitely one of the best in the county. He's got some talent. He's got the 7A freshman of the year, Ty Owens. He'll be there. Six foot six center, Johnny Sweeney was a freshman this past year. Uh, you got more help on the way. Zach Vickers, who played with the 16U Cherokee Legacy team, he's going to be uh, heading into his, I guess, junior season now. Uh, they got Brandon Drummer, who was on this uh, Deep South team, a six foot three freshman guard, rising freshman. He's going to help out. AJ Swan is a, a nice role player that plays a quarterback. He's going to be in the mix as well. Uh, so there's a lot of good stuff coming up. Then DJ Potts heard, who I've heard a lot about, played up with this Cherokee Legacy team. He can really shoot the ball. You know, all those private schools are already in the mix for getting him. Uh, hopefully, he stays in Cherokee County. Uh, I think he might be districted to go to Woodstock right now, but we'll see. Hopefully he ends up somewhere in Cherokee County and the lure of going to one of these uh, private schools is not too strong, but there is a lot of good talent coming up the pipelines in Cherokee County. And one more thing just to touch on, we talked about shooters making a name for themselves. Kawasi Reeves Jr. got a Florida offer after having a nice weekend with Hype South playing up a great. You can read what I said about him, uh, but he's a big time three point shooter. Had 17 points and 20 points in two games. I saw once he gets better with the dribble and uh, more able to create his own shot and get to the lane, he's going to get better and better. But that Florida offer, I mean, geez, you get a, your first offer and it's an SEC school. That's pretty big, and uh, he'll be one to watch. I think he has a very, very, very good future at Westside Macon in the years to come. That'll do it for some AAU circuit wrap-up. Now, a couple of topics that I was kind of wanting to talk about. They were discussed at the end of the championship season. I was waiting for a timely podcast, and I guess this is the next one really after a post-championship reflection podcast. Um, something that got increased discussion, and I saw kind of on Twitter mostly, was moving to power rankings across all classifications. So if you've been following the podcast or the state of bas- or basketball in the GHSA, you know that Class A public and Class A private rank their playoff teams via a power rankings where they have this formula 
that basically takes in record wins and losses and then strength of schedule as determined by the teams that you play their record and it spits out power rankings and as we were going through our bracketology and going through the playoff um, podcast you know sweet 16 elite eight final four you saw that the power rankings in class a private and class a public were pretty darn accurate the higher seeded team won most of the time and there were a few results a wonky results but you know if you're getting seven out of eight games right quote unquote in which the higher seeded team wins it seems as if it seems as if the um rankings are accurate enough and so there's some discussion to avoid some of these elite eight matchups between powerhouses so we're not on the podcast saying this is a state championship matchup in the Elite Eight. Should all classifications move to power rankings in the future, Kyle? I see your point there, Ramin. Uh, I see where people are coming from. Someone's usually always going to get screwed. And even if you have power rankings, like someone's going to get a tough draw because that's just how it goes. I like having the, the seeds and everything determined. Let it all be played out on the court. Because power rankings, I mean, how many times do we have headaches with power rankings? And they, they, they almost screwed up the power rankings this year when they for they, they cut off like at 8 o'clock. They didn't include any results after 8 o'clock. And then with power rankings, you have to do your whole appeal process. And it's, it's a whole nightmare with this. And anytime when I have to trust a, a quote-unquote uh, rating system or – I guess, yeah, with the computer, because you're going to have to score it with computers and the uh, algorithm and stuff like that. <sighs> I, uh, I mean, because you can also, you can manipulate the system. You can, I, I know Class A private teams that do that, and I mean, it's to their advantage, but you can manipulate the system and play this and do that and schedule this, and you can kind of play it into your favor. Uh, I, I like the system how it is now. Uh, I understand with the the power ratings, but putting it in the control of computers and then with the appeal process, even if you do the power ratings, people are going to get pissed off with the appeal process and this and that. And in life, you're never going to have everybody happy with one decision. There's always going to be someone that gets the the short end of the stick or feel like they got slided just a little bit. I like how it is now and just have it decided out on the court. And again, okay, you're, if, if you're going to win a state championship, you're going to have to beat that team eventually anyway, right? If you're going to win a state championship, you're going to have to beat the best eventually, whether you see them in the Elite Eight and you, you take care of business and then it's you know it's easy lifting the rest of the way like Lovejoy Girls did when they beat Winder Barrow and then they, they breeze through the rest of the state tournament. I mean that's just that's just how it is. It you're gonna see that eventually. Even if you have power rankings, you're probably gonna see a, a super tough opponent uh, in, in one way or another. Uh, I just I, I like the way it is right now, and it's just it's just too much to try and do that. And it, it's just, it's just a you, you do that. It's just gonna make everything so much more complicated and. I just like the way how it is right now, Ramin. What what do you think about? It? Are you one that are, are you kind of on the side of changing it, or are you? Because you know, I'm not always the best. You know, change change is something that it, it takes a while to get used to, and once you you, you get the change, you, you learn to live with it. But again, if 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 it's not broke, don't fix it. But people would argue that it is broken. It does need fixing. Yeah, well, I 
I tend to be more on the traditionalist side of things, and especially with baseball. If we want to talk baseball, I, you know, robot umpires and all that. No, I'm definitely on the more traditional side, and I agree. I think if you move to a power ranking system, it, it devalues winning your region. It de-emphasizes mm-hmm. what a region championship means, right? I mean, if they do it that way, I know in the the how they have it for the Class A now. If you win your region, you automatically get like a a top you know, top four seed or whatever. But, but we saw that. We saw it. Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, we saw that in, uh, this year we saw a team that kind of came out of the woodworks and ended up winning their their region, and it, it screwed up the entire bracket. And yeah, I Avenue, believe while you pull Prince that up. Avenue, yeah, yeah, Prince Avenue, they got the third seed, and – I you know, talked to Prince Evan. No offense, Prince Evan. They weren't that good. And Prince Avenue is a third seed, and they get a bye, and then they go into that second-round game against the 19-seed Brookstone, and they lose to Brookstone. And that's where you get into this power rating stuff. If some teams just, you know, they somehow string together something, and I don't want to say they get lucky, but they, they play right at, the, at, at one time. You get rewarded for playing, like, two good games consecutively, and you throw out everything else you did the rest of the, the season. I guess you could argue the, the, the same way as far as tournament. with the tournament and the seeding, the region tournament, stuff like that. But, um, I, I mean, if, if you're going to do it, it can't be that drastic because Prince Avenue is going to be like a 16 seed. They won the region, and they jump all the way up to the three seed, and then, you know, they didn't deserve that at all, and they lose, and that, that pushes – that changes up the entire bracket. Teams get pushed down, and it changes everything up when a team that, you know, on paper you, you see them play, they don't deserve that seed, but they were able to win their, their region tournament, and you go from a, a, a 14 to a 16 seed all the way up to a three seed. That really screwed up the Class A private – uh, private uh, power ratings. Yeah, you know, hearing the discussion, I don't know if I have an opinion either way. I mean, I think there are points on either side. And, you know, we're talking through, well, you know, Prince Avenue got the three because they won their region. But then again, if you win your region tournament, you're going to get a one seed in the traditional draw, how we have it now, and everything outside of Class A. So I'm not sure if I'm really convinced by one argument or another other than, you know, I guess I'm somewhat of a traditionalist. And if you have a draw, you have a tough draw. I think that's somewhat of the unpredictability of basketball and i think that's somewhat of the allure you know why is marsh madness so exciting well it's because you have the underdogs like umbc who can come and beat a one seed as a 16 and move on and you just have that draw of course you're going to make the argument that well march madness isn't a draw you know they do power rankings by a human committee so you know i don't know i I don't think there's a convincing argument one way or another so i'm not really sure there's a reason to change it Um, But you did mention the appeals, and that's something we're going to get to at the end of the podcast, why that could actually be a huge issue if you open the door for more appeals. But anyways, before we get to that, um, a side topic, some slight conversation based on that. Some people, especially on Ups and Lee's two undefeated seasons, back-to-back state champions, a lot of people are saying Ups and Lee, best team in the state. Others are saying, you know, they haven't really played the 7A champions, haven't played the 6A champions. What do you think about having a unified champion, having all the state champions play each other after the individual classification tournaments, Kyle? Well, I think it would be interesting. I think, you know, kind of screw up the record books, but I wouldn't be opposed to saying, okay, you're the, the class A champion. Like, you should still be rewarded if, okay, let's have our, let's still have our classification champions, and you could be the the classification champion, we would just have to reword it. Okay, I'm the Class A champion, and then we could have overall a, a true state championship. Uh, because if you do say, "Hey, we're the state champs," and then like 
you know, seven other teams were state champions too. It does kind of, uh, probably not the right word, but you know, bastardizes it. Just kind of makes it, you know, waters it down, saying, "Oh, I'm the state champ." Oh yeah, so did seven other teams. So but I mean, every buy in, you do buy into that because I think the reason why I put this on the podcast was one specific comment a reply on saw on Twitter, and I don't have the handle in front of me, but it was something to the effect of, "Oh, back in the day, back in the 1990s." there were only three classifications. And so winning a championship meant more than it does now. It's easier to win a championship now than it was back then. Do you buy into that? Yes. It's more watered down, even though I wasn't able to cover it back then, but even talking to people that have been entrenched in Georgia high school basketball for a long time, like you, you had some real super teams when you only had like four or five classifications, like all those kids had to end up at a school like they had to be playing somewhere and that probably meant okay you had four division one guys and you see it now and i mean back then i'm sure there was recruiting and stuff like that back then but it was probably more more natural that you would have these teams like three or four division one teams now it's all you know artificial division one teams where oh yeah we got seven division one players that we recruited four of them over five of them over um Back then, I think it was probably kind of more legit. You still had your cheaters and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I would say it is a little bit more watered down. I mean, I don't have a problem with how it is right now, but it would be nice to say, okay, let's see who the real official state champion is. But all these other states, I'm pretty sure there a lot of them are doing the exact same thing too. There's multiple state champions. So it's not like we're the only state that's having seven state champions, eight state champions, when everyone else is just picking one. I think... I don't know, like Indiana or Kentucky or something like that. They might have like one true champion still, but for the most part, everyone else is doing the same thing, but it, I I would have it. Yeah. Classification champions. And okay. Like that, that should still pretty much go up as a state championship for them. But then let's have those eight teams play for a a true state champion. I mean, it's a pipe dream. I don't think we're ever going to have it because it's going to extend the season and, you know, people's feelings are going to get hurt and say, well, we won this, but uh, you know, I, I think it would be nice to see one true state champion. And yeah, with the, the, the great argument about ups and Lee is eh, plenty seven, a schools. I mean, I mean, ups and Lee was the best team in the state this year. They probably would have beat everybody else. Um, even though they probably shouldn't on paper, but we, we games aren't won on paper. We saw it Norcross probably should have won these past two championships, but they didn't because it's really hard to win a state championship, especially in seven a. Uh, so it doesn't really matter who's on the floor. I mean, it, it goes to show how important synergy is and chemistry that makes up for a lot, even though you might have transfers here and there and they'll might play a one or two full seasons together. If you've been playing together for like for a majority of these, you know, the ups and league kids, not to harp on this stuff, it's been about but for like five six years and you're playing aau year round together for many years there's just something special about that that an artificial put together team can't just you know emulate and that's why i still feel like if we did have a great you know a championships of all these teams playing there's a, a strong chance that they might have found their way on top i'm not saying that they they would have but i i think they're the best team. Now, does that mean they're the most talented team? No, but Upsley, uh, the epitome of a team, they were the best team in the state of Georgia. And to be the best team in the state of Georgia, uh, you have to be a great team because they did win 63 straight and won back-to-back state championships. 
Now, you already answered one of my questions. I was going to ask you to play psychic and say, will this ever happen in the GHSA officially? Probably not. We both know the answer. But um, I will ask, do you think if that were to ever happen, do you think it's ever possible for a 2A or a 3A team to ever be the unified champion? I thought Morgan County was in the discussion for a lot of this season as being one of those a legitimate top five team in the state. I, you know, I think when you look at the, the teams they play, uh, just judging based on competition, and maybe it's, I, I don't want to say it's a bias, but I mean, when you're only playing other 2A schools and you're only playing, you know, if you're a 2A school, you're playing all 2A schools with the occasional 1A school and the occasional 3A school, like being the biggest team you play. Now, Thomasville will play Tiff County and stuff like that uh, here and there. But I, I would find it hard to see a, a 2A through a 1A school win it all, especially 1A public. Uh, I think 7A, obviously. I mean, if you're just looking at it, 6A and 7A with some 5A, and then th- those those three classifications should, in theory, be the best because they have the most talent pool to pull from. Uh, and there are some teams up there that once you're a big school and you win a lot of games, kids tend to move in there, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, whether they're uh, you know into influence there or they just see a team winning all the time and say, hey, they win a lot of championships, I want to go join that team. Uh, also, with that, I think 1A private I mean, with city schools and 1A private, like, again, in theory, they should be able to kind of tiptoe around it and say, hey, well, you can come play here and we can kind of, like, recruit you over. But, in, you know, it's kind of legal as well. If you're, you're paying money to go to school there, like these city schools, you can pay money to go there. And if you know, you know what I'm trying to say, it's kind of hazy. But for for classes like 2A, 3A, and 4A, uh outside of like ups and lee i would think it's it would probably be hard for those three classifications and and you know 1a public through class four i would think it's usually would be a, a lot harder to compete with the the 1a privates that are going out there and getting these kids there and compared to the 5a through 7a uh i i again i think morgan county would have a a chance this past year but i mean they didn't win their state championship uh it was gac that did so i think they could can compete but when push comes to shove, I think it would probably be one of those 5A, 6A, 7A schools that could do it outside of Upson Lee, who was a 4A uh, school that was an uh, exception to the rule this year, I think. All right. And so we ta- mentioned it earlier. Um, I want to talk about something not exactly basketball. You know, we're talking pre-podcast. We're like, we're a basketball podcast. True. I think this does have greater implications across all sports in the GHSA. Recently, um, baseball, the baseball tournaments got underway in the spring sports, and there's an A-public controversy. I will do my best to summarize it briefly. Irwin County was playing Charlton County before the Class A public tournament actually started. I believe this is the most updated information. Irwin County playing Charlton County in A public. And this game was of great importance because the way we understand it by some reporting by Travis Jowdown of Savannah. He broke the story for us. Our understanding is that Irwin County and Charlton County were playing for the number two versus the number five seed and in the power rankings and so if either team won or lost that would affect the power rankings of the rest of class a public because that's how power rankings work if you get one more win or one more loss everyone's strength of schedule shifts and so greater implication so anyways 
Charlton County played a pitcher that was technically ineligible. They miscounted the pitch count. Charlton County figured this out after the game. So the pitcher that pitched was ineligible because he was over the pitch count. Charlton County self-reported to the GHSA. And the GHSA decided not to punish Charlton County. And instead um, chose to kind of do nothing about it. I guess appreciated the honesty from Charlton County. As a result of this, Irwin County was not happy. They appealed up to the GHSA, all the way up to the executive director. Their appeals were denied. And so Irwin County took Charlton County to court. They filed a lawsuit for emergency injunction in the Charlton County Superior Court. That court ruled in favor of Irwin County. And that is why all of Class A public was suspended. They thought that... Irwin County had a legitimate um, a grievance, legitimate complaint, and so all of Class A public was stopped. However, the GHSA lawyers, somewhere in there, they got involved and they asked for the case to go to the Court of Appeals to the state of Georgia, the appellate court headquartered in Atlanta. There, the uh, appeals court ruled in favor of the GHSA, I guess, and in Charlton County and saying the GHSA had the right to rule like it did. It superseded the order from the Charlton County Superior Court, lifted the injunction, and allowed the Class A public playoffs to continue with Charlton County in and Irwin County um, as as that game stood, and they did not reverse the decision of the GHSA. Of note, they did cite two pieces of case law in the very short decision filed online superseding the emergency injunction. Uh, first, they cited Waddell versus GHSA, and second, they cited Parents Against Realignment versus GHSA. The latter was a court case went all the way up to the Supreme Court of Georgia in which after the GHSA realigned districts, three uh, schools in Fulton County felt they didn't get the right district. They appealed. Their appeals got denied by the GHSA. They filed suit in which they claimed that they should be able to play in the district, whatever geographically aligned. Anyways, the Supreme Court said that this was not a judiciable controversy and they're not going to get involved in the actions of the GHSA. It's a power specifically enumerated to the Board of Education by the Georgia Constitution and that they're not going to get involved in that. Waddell versus GHSA, another court case went all the way up to the Supreme Court of the GHSA. And that one, that was earlier in the 1980s. Um, it was a case involving a misapplication of a roughing the kicker penalty on a fourth down. The referee did not give an automatic first down when he should have, which... Uh, change the outcome of the rest of the game according to Waddell they appealed and protest the GHSA denied it all the way up again all the way up to the executive director at the time and so they filed suit and the initial court ruled with Waddell actually and uh, he ordered for the game to be replayed from that point with the correct roughing the kicker penalty to be applied in that state playoff game but the Supreme Court of Georgia overruled that and said that this does not provide a judiciable controversy. There is no right for a football player to play. It is not a you know constitutionally guaranteed right. It's more of a, I guess, luxury or privilege. And so because of that, they have no right to be correct. The rules be correctly adjudicated by the state. They also refuse to get involved in the case because they found that if they were going to involve the courts in reversing the individual decision of one referee in one game that would open up the courts to a litany of lawsuits and just subsequent litigation which the courts would be inundated with lawsuit after lawsuit from every individual game and that's not a precedent that they wanted to set and in the short you know five line ruling uh granting ghsa's emergency motion the appellate court in georgia appeared to have upheld this precedent and refuses to get involved in this. And so I think the larger meaning of this, Kyle, is simply that 
you know, the GHSA, whatever appeals you want to make to it, it's final and it's kind of omnipotent. I guess if you want to go through the legislature, there was that law a couple years ago, I believe it was a House bill that wanted to disband the GHSA. That didn't go anywhere, obviously. But, you know, the GHSA is what we have and you want to appeal, you can appeal, I guess. But I think these rulings find that it is what it is. That is a mouthful, Ramin. That is some legal jargon right there. Um, I mean, the, the, it, it, there's stuff like this is always going to happen. I hope we're not thinking like Dr. Robin Hines. Uh, there's always controversy around it. There's always going to be controversy. And every sport, there's always going to be something that comes up. That's just when you are a governing body like the GHSA and you have thousands upon thousands of people Something's going to happen. This is not all roses. You're going to have to deal with it. You just hope when when something does happen, it's it's minor and it's something that's not a, a, a huge deal. And it's something that you can either get fixed quickly or it's something so irrelevant that you can just not brush it under the rug, but just, you know, brush it inside and just like this is not a big deal. Let's not worry about it. But that's just that's just the nature of the beast. That's just how it is. You're you're always gonna have to deal with this. And uh, I mean, going back to football with the Peach County and this and appeal, and even before that, what it was like the Lee County baseball game or something. And it just it, it's that's w- what it is. When you're a governing body over so many people and so many schools and this is like the biggest so important sports are so important to communities players coaches family um they're gonna take it very seriously these these you know players parents coaches and the ghsa they have to accordingly uh take it seriously as well and do the best they can so this isn't the the first time this isn't the last time there's gonna be other uh, legal trying to turn it into legal matters and stuff like that it's just uh i'm glad it didn't like debacle the the entire class a public that's just that's life people are going to disagree and uh i'm glad it, it wasn't anything too crazy and hopefully for us especially hopefully we don't have any big drama like this on basketball even though now i'm thinking oh yeah those tucker girls did get a uh, kind of clip but uh There's always stuff that's going to happen. Let's just hope it's not anything catastrophic. Well, let me uh, first uh, let me clarify. I think what I was trying to get through with all that case law and with this uh, court of appeals ruling was that the court is just not going to open itself up to hearing lawsuits about individual referees' decisions because then you know they're going to have a thousand lawsuits if you want to sit here and argue every single little thing, and the courts are going to hear that and they're going to get inundated and. They just don't have time to deal with all this stuff. But I think the larger question I'm trying to get at here, Kyle, is, I mean, you know, your full-time job is sports. You've been dealing with sports. You're, I mean, covering high school sports, that's what you do, and I mean, that's what we do at Sandy Spiel. Obviously, we have a vested interest in it. We want it to be taken seriously. But how seriously? I mean, do you think it's worth it to file a lawsuit and involve the lawyers and all that, go to court over a couple pitches? No, it's not. It's not. That's crying over spilled milk. This is – if there was like – I guess I can understand if there was like big money involved or something like that. If this is MLB or something and then, OK, there's revenue coming here, there. These are high school kids, none of which are being paid to play. I don't think these are huge money makers. I mean sports are sports. I don't think these high schools are looking at, oh, my baseball team brings us this much revenue and this, that, and the. 
don't this should not be taken to courts like there are more pressing issues in the nation in the state of georgia that we are dealing with because some kid threw like six extra pitches than he should have or whatever it was stop wasting people's time it shouldn't have gone to court especially since the ruling it came up nothing became of it don't waste people people's time on minuscule matters if it's not like a, a giant thing if you if you had to like you should ask 10 people and not just 10 people that are on on your side just 10 <laughs> random people in the street and say is this a big deal to you or not and then, no 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 who cares maybe one is a baseball fan say sure but the vast majority are gonna say stop crying about it it sucks whatever but to try and take this to like a legal court is just come on you're blowing smoke and I think it kind of loses a bit of the amateurism aspect. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys, I mean, you t- mentioned it. These guys aren't professional athletes and they're not even college athletes. We're not talking about scholarships and whatever mm-hmm. other benefits on the line here. These guys are high school students who happen to play a sport on the side. And the primary role of the school district is to teach, you know, educate, not to play sports. So I'm sure if, you know, we could continue that and you, you, you lose some of the amateurism of high school athletics which you know we talk about all the time transfers and all that but in essence it's still supposed to be somewhat pure and somewhat innocent i guess relatively speaking yeah uh i i i always love the separation of amateurism and that's even even i don't want to get into the college level where we start arguing paying players and then the trickle down effect is not actually the paying players for high school but the trickle down of high school and adding the shot clock and stuff like that i i want high school to be high school i want college to be college i want pros to be pros i understand you want to get them ready okay i could see that at the the college level where you actually have guys that are aspiring to play in the nba or whatever pro sport it is and that is like okay maybe 12 calendar months away from actually becoming a thing but for high school to start trickling into like people getting paid for high school or whatever 24 second shot clock when that's nba that's like six years down the road and so keep high school high school keep college college keep pros pros i think that's a very salient point to end it on kyle unless you have anything else on behalf of kyle this is ramin as always check the twitter sandyspiel.com we have the coaching carousel and the transfer list we will get to a podcast covering those two shortly those will probably be the next two in an order yet to be determined we'll probably talk to you in the next couple of weeks as always we appreciate the support on behalf of kyle this is ramin signing off